Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified four victims. Killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your host, Maddie Mack, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gabb. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt. Along with our narrator for today, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show, Gabby, and we are back. We are back. Sorry, everyone. We took a a few weeks. I would say uh, a necessary few weeks time off. Um, I don't know if everybody. Well, clearly nobody knows, but there was a loss in our family. Uh, I lost my dad uh, on May first, so. It's been a while since we've been recording, so I needed that time off, but I'm ready, Gab's ready, Todd's ready, and we are ready to give you another episode from the Grind True Crime. But before we do, we want to let you guys know where you can listen to us. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, you can listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Anchor, and any other podcast streams that you listen to you can find us there just type in the grinding true crime podcast and there you can find some of our previous recordings as well as our recent recordings always remember listener discretion is advised because we do get into some graphic details in our story so if you you know are sensitive to certain nature please be advised okay all right now that i got all that out the way todd fox we're looking forward to your story, brother. Break it down. You got the floor, man. Thanks, brother. I'm glad to have you guys back. Um, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> this one is definitely listener discretion advised. Oh. Uh, so it does have to do with uh, children. So. Oh, come on, man. Why are you doing this to I'm us? sorry, man. First one back, dude. First one back, and it's like, I'm not throwing a softball. I'm throwing a hardball right there. You know? Come on, man. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> So this story is about Jennifer Shulet. Jennifer Shulet. Uh, mm-hmm. She. Uh, it's uh, and then it, this also takes pl- place in Texas, which is Dickinson, Texas. Okay. Which is a city in, uh, just outside Galveston uh, County, Texas, within uh, Houston area. Um, the population of Dickinson is about eighteen thousand, so it's not a big, freaking you know city. Um, it's named after John Dickinson, <clears throat> which was a, um, a general in the army back in the day. And he grew up in Galveston and during the civil war. So it has, it has quite the history to it. Okay. So our story takes place in Dickinson, Texas though, in 1990. Oh, so this is oh, not too far. Yeah. Yeah. This is not too long ago. This is not okay. Too, yeah. And it actually, the, the conclusion comes up here not, not too long ago either. So we'll get into that. Um, Got it. So it starts with an 18-year-old named Jennifer Shewitt. 
called uh, she called Dickinson a home and she was going to school as a second grader um, and uh, you know just enjoying her everyday routine with her mom her mom's a single uh, single mom at the time so it was just her and her okay. mom living in a like a two bedroom small house in the middle of Dickinson okay um, it happened to be summer uh, you know regular summer night in August 10th and uh, she was playing outside with the neighbors and then uh, you know her um well, August 9th, uh, her, her, her mom called her in said, hey, it's time to come in. Uh, so she came in, washed up, took a, took a bath and, uh, began to get ready for bed. <clears throat> now she would often sleep with her mom since she was super scared of the dark. You know, most eight year olds are right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and being that she has no other sibling, <clears throat> she would often crawl into bed with her mom. So it's like a Sunday night before Monday, a work day. And, uh, you know, she would go with her grandma to be babysat in the morning when her mom would go off to work. So her mom didn't mind her going into bed with her and sneaking in there and sleeping with her. Yet we've all gone through this with little kids, especially Gabby would know that when kids get in the bed, they tend to kick and, and, you know, know, move around too much and squirm. And then you can't sleep, right? Yeah. How many times did that happen with your girls? Uh, plenty of times. Mia used to sleep with me. <laughs> yeah, see, so you know, you know how that goes. Oh yeah. So in this, I don't know if you were like this, Mom Gabby, but uh, she she literally said, "Okay, you got to go to your bed. You're moving way too much. Mom needs to get some sleep. Just turn the night light on and go to bed." Right. So, so as she did, those were her uh, famous last words. Um. So Jennifer made her way to her room. She turned on the lamp and played with her toys till she fell asleep. It was about one in the morning. Okay. So what do you think happens then? Mom's asleep in one room. Daughter's asleep in the other. Two, three in the morning. I'm going to say someone broke in. What do you say, Gab? Ooh, I'm going to say the child woke up saw someone at the window and ran to tell mom you know this story would be completely different if gabby's was true but unfortunately unfortunately matt's was right was dead on what yeah (laughs) why you you didn't think you were gonna nail this one or what i you know i normally oh first one i do (laughs) (laughs) that's right you're you're, you don't have a good track record of nailing these but don't 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 rub it in man (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did you stutter <laughs> a little bit okay okay <laughs> so uh the next time she wakes up um she feels like she's dreaming um she or she's floating on the on her back she feels like she's floating and you know she looks up and she sees trees like whistling by she the next thing she does is she looks up even higher she sees the moonlight then she looks up even like her, she raises her head even higher I mean, and she sees a man looking down on her. This man had crawled into her, her uh, into the house, snatched her from her bed. She barely woke up as he was leaving the yard. Wow. Yeah. So the little one got kidnapped. Yep. Straight from her. Wow. Life. Carried away. Yep. And the mom still doesn't know. Mom has no idea. She's oh, out cold. No. <clears throat> yeah. So at this moment, she is terrified. And she try, uh, 
<clears throat> she's too terrified to scream or yell. The man, though, looks down at her and says, don't worry, I'm a police officer. She immediately asks, where's your badge? He says, I left it in the car. We need to get you out of here as soon as possible. She then lets her guard down, <clears throat> believing that this man is a police officer. She says, what about mommy? Mommy will be fine. There's another police officer in there. What's going on? I'll tell you when we get to the car. And that's all she heard. So they get in his green car, and he puts her in, a, uh, in the, uh, the seatbelt, and they begin to drive away. The entire time they're driving, he's offering her candy. She's telling him, no, she doesn't accept it from strangers. He says, I'm a police officer. You can trust me. Um, she, wow. Yeah, she kept saying no, <clears throat> and she noticed that the man pulled off into a field, an empty field, uh, with just weeds and trees in it, basically. And, uh, not a good sign. No, not a good sign at all. So here, uh, so here's where it gets a little. It's gonna get kind of graphic from here. So just giving you a fair warning. There ain't gonna be no jokes in here. That's for damn sure. Dang. Um, he pulls a knife on her, and begins to threaten her to do things to her. And she doesn't know what he's talking about. She doesn't understand. She's only eight years old. And. Yeah. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> he actually then gets frustrated because she's not comprehending or obeying him, and he begins to try to not only just strangle her but break her neck. <sighs> yeah. Come on, man! Yeah, he's trying to he's trying to like turn her head opposite of her body, trying to just you know do all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, he's <clears throat> a monster! Yeah. So during this, um, he actually hits her with the butt of the knife. And um, that's all she remembers. She's she's out cold. Um, the next the next thing that she remembers is that um, she's being dragged by her feet, and her head is getting rubbed over like it's being dragged over rocks and dirt. <sighs> and she's being placed on a patch of dirt in the middle of this like like picture like a field. Um, about 50 yards from a highway uh, the grass is about maybe 3 to 4 feet high and so you can't really see over the grass and you, you and so you're like just you know there's a patch of dirt and you're just laid right there in the middle of the field that's basically what she was in wow so, wow yeah so at this time um, she remained quiet because as she was coming to she felt I mean, as smart as look, she's eight years old, and she was she realized the situation. Don't wake up. Don't say anything. Maybe he thinks you're dead. Maybe he thinks you're knocked out. And so she kept her eyes closed, but squinting out of one eye. And it's pitch black outside, so he can't really see even if he did look down at her. Um, but the man clearly thought she was dead. And so he began to walk off. And she would hear him. She kept her eyes closed after he walked off. She got a good look at him. And he walked off, got in his car. She heard the car turn on, and then she heard it drive away. So what do you think happened after this? Um, I don't think it's over. I think he just moved the car and, and began to molest her. Gabby? I'm going to guess on the same lines that he didn't think she was dead he moved away to test her and see if she got up and she probably did so he went back for her 
Mm, uh, that would be good guesses, but this one was far worse than what ha- than actually what happened. What you guys described. Worse? Yeah, what? worse. So she tried running her over. No, no, no. <clears throat> what happened was she, hearing the car drive off, immediately tried to scream. And to her shock, she couldn't scream. And she tried yelling. She tried saying anything. And it was like she thought that her ears were broken or or somehow she lost hearing. But when she went to look at her hands, because she hadn't looked at her hands, they were filled with blood. She then started to touch herself to see where she was bleeding. She touched her throat. And her throat was cut from ear to ear. <gasps> she was bleeding from the neck. Yeah. Um, it's a deep gash. So he tried to make sure she was dead. Yes, it was a deep gash along her throat. Her voice box had been slashed, so her, oh man, yeah, she could not talk for anything. Um, so, so picture this: she's eight years old, lying on her back. She's weak. She can barely move. You know, she can't move enough to turn over to try to crawl. She can't stand up. She's in the middle. She's facing her biggest fear, which is the the night, you know, with no lights. It's three in the morning, and she just realized her throat's been slashed. Uh. Yeah. So imagine the horror she felt. Um, as the sun began to rise, she started to hear cars passing on that highway, which was just 50 feet away or 50 yards away um, from her position. But she got weaker and weaker, and this is in the middle of summer, so this is not like winter time. You know, this is this is this is uh, hot, nasty Texas humid heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so she's sitting out there, going in and out of consciousness. You know, and in the meantime, in the morning, her mom finally woke up, like around six in the morning. You know, while she's out there in the field, her mom woke up for work and saw the window was wide open. Uh, she called the police in a panic. The police got out there and saw that the screen was cut, and they immediately called uh, the FBI. <clears throat> they immediately called, they, they called the big guns. They got all the local police from uh, from Galveston, and uh, the fire department came out to look for the little girl. Uh, residents uh, didn't go to work. They went looking for the girl. It turned into a big thing. They, they sent helicopters wow. out, everything, right? Wow. So they were full-on going for this little girl because they knew it was something pretty bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone was on full alert, and in the meantime, poor little Jennifer was still out in the field, and she was at the other side of town, so nobody knew exactly where she was. They were looking in the you know the middle part of the town. They weren't looking on the outskirts. She was on the mm-hmm. outskirts. Um, so at this time, like I said, it's humid, it's hot, it's nasty, it's around 11, 12 in the afternoon now, and she's starting to get bitten by mosquitoes and ants, which are the fire ants, which are coming out of... Oh, man. Yeah. And they don't play around. They don't oh. play around. Nope. They don't play around. Poor child. She's my kid's age. Yep. Yep. I told you this one was going to be kind of bad. <laughs> um, That's tough, man. Yeah. Um, and what makes it even more tougher... So it's about 2 o'clock now. So really the heat of the day. 
She's going in and out of consciousness. She's got the mosquito bites. She's got the ants crawling on her, biting her, whatnot. And there's a dog, just a dog that comes up out of nowhere. It's like a golden retriever, just plows through the grass, sees her, and just starts barking and barking and barking. Now, she can hear some guy saying the name of the dog and saying, get over here, get over here. And she's sitting there, and and she wants to say something. She's trying to reach towards the dog. The dog kind of licks her a little bit, like on the hand. And the dog wants to, like, you know, it's telling the owner, hey, there's something over here. And the owner's getting more and more pissed, raising his voice and telling the dog to come over. The dog takes one look at her, licks her one more time, and takes off. You know, he's got to go. You know, he tried. And well, the man never saw her. The man never saw her because the grass Dang. was the grass was so thick. <clears throat> so, she at this point reached out her hand as far as she could extend it, and she started to weep and cry, and she thought that was it. You know, she's gonna die. That was her last chance. Um, you know, how close, but yet so far. You know, <clears throat> and. Um, this would go on for, you know, she endured another three and a half hours. Dang, are you serious? Yeah, so you're you're talking, the, the, everyone's still out there looking, she's hearing helicopters, she's hearing sirens and other cars, but it, they, she's just not being seen. She's in a, in a bad spot. <sighs> and so, coming close to six o'clock in the evening, almost, um, all of a sudden, she's, again, in and out of consciousness. She's trying to hold her neck, the whole thing, right, and fight off the ants yeah. if she can. The ants keep coming. And all of a sudden, a ball hits her foot, like a, like a little, like one of those beach ball type things, but like a little bit heavier, the ones you kind of play kickball with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those hits her, her foot, and then she kind of looks down, and then these two kids come barreling through the grass. And then they stop on a dime when they see her. And they look down at her for a minute. One starts screaming. And then the other one just grabs the other one, because they're about like maybe seven, eight years old themselves. Grabs the other one, and they run. And so again, she starts to cry because she's like, oh, no, I'm going to be left out here. Because they picked up the ball, and they ran. They just left her there. And no more than five minutes later, those two brave young kids ran all the way home told their parents and one of the parents came running out there and immediately started to pick the ants off of her try to like hold it hold the wound together and the paramedics as soon as the parent got there the officers actually police officers were right behind the the guy and they they began to administer first aid and and one of the officers started crying right away like he couldn't believe it you know the wow how she looked and uh, everyone from town just came down there. They called in a helicopter, and they rushed and they and they they took her to uh, Galveston, the hospital, to the uh, the major hospital. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the police could not believe the trauma center could not believe that she was awake the entire time. That is crazy. She yeah. had the will to live. Right, eight years old. Eight years old. Wow, amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in the trauma center. And as she got there, there was a bunch of men doctors, and she she began to show signs that she like she was screaming, trying to scream. And one of the female doctors realized something happened with a man, and she asked her, "Just tell me with your head, 
do you want these men doctors or do you want female doctors? And and she said female doctors, and she said yes. And so the men, including the police, they brought female police officers in to watch because they didn't know who the guy was who did this to her. And yeah. so they gave her 24-hour protection. And so you had female cops there. You had female firefighters who came up to see her. And you also had the doctors who were then females as well. She didn't want nothing to do with a guy. Wow. Yeah, that would be traumatizing PTSD. Forever. Yep, yep. So what do you think happened to her uh, after this? Oh. I think she gets in a little recovery. I, well, at first, I think she goes to a coma after everything. And then when she comes out of the coma, she identifies the man. Okay, Gabby? I'm gonna... I'm thinking this bastard, she's probably on the news or something because they're trying to find him, and he's gonna show up at the hospital. Ooh, that see, that would have been... I would have loved to see that because, and you know, they could have gotten him. But uh, you know, Matt was half right, so I'll give you that one. So he's he's actually cleaning up on this episode. I, I could, That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. He, he, usually, usually it's Gabby. She, Gabby's just nailing it. But I'm sorry, Gabby. But he's, <laughs> Am he's, he's I, can I be promoted now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. So so what happened was the doctors could not believe she was a alive. And B that she didn't bleed out. Like she was pale. She lost exactly. a lot of she lost a lot of blood. But the thing was, he cut her larynx. He cut that, which is her voice box. But he did not uh, succeed in cutting the major arteries at all. So he didn't some, hit the juggler. Nope. So somehow, as deep as that cut was, he didn't kill her. Mm. And they said it was really, really deep. Um, he, she, uh. The thing was, the doctors were relieved after talking to her because they obviously couldn't talk to her, you know, with uh, they had to have her write things down or just do head nods mm-hmm. because she obviously couldn't talk. And it was going to take some mm-hmm. time for her to talk again. But inspecting her, they found out she was also raped. Um, oh, come on, man. Yeah, she she did. They did not. Uh, she couldn't remember any of that stuff. So thankfully, that stuff wasn't in her memory. Um, and that was um, and she endured all the stuff with the ant biting she got a lot of infections from that and um, because remember she was out in the hot sun for 18 hours Mm -hmm. and um, the the police were astounded and were pissed off Uh, the FBI was pissed off they all wanted to catch this disgusting pervert because I can't wait to find out what happens to him yeah yeah (laughs) They, That's they, terrible. Yeah, they were they were dumbfounded because they realized that this probably wasn't the first time for this guy. Oh, absolutely. So they wanted him, and they wanted him bad. Um, <clears throat> so the cops put an APP out. They were, you know, she she started over the next few days. The women officers that were there and the agents, she was giving detailed uh, descriptions of the car. She remembered the cigarettes that he smoked. Um, everything. She was just. And they they worked over several different kind of sketches, and they put out one of the most detailed sketches you'll ever see. And I'll post that to the page, and as well as on the um, picture for the episode. Nice. And you nice. and you'll you'll get to see exactly how freaking dead on she was. Wow, she had a photographic memory. 
Eight years old. Eight Imagine years that. Old. Yep. So as time went by, ten surgeries later, her voice finally returned, and she began to feel normal again. Um, ten her, surgeries. Ten surgeries yeah. later. Yes. <clears throat> she also had some internal stuff, uh, to, you know, with the private area that she needed help with as well because of like stitched up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she, despite all this, despite everything she went through, she didn't miss any school. She actually returned to school on time for the new school. What? Yeah, as a third grader. She returned as a third grader on time with a police escort, and they actually left the police officer on campus, which was new for back then um, in 1990. Uh, just to to make sure nothing would happen and the guy would not return for her. So she had police escort for a few months into that new school year as well. Dang. That's good. Yeah. Um, But this was, despite all this, the mom trying to get her back to normal, they're both going to therapy, everything, right? Um, The police had 200 leads from locals to... uh, to check out and then also clues and things like that you know there's whispers every time something like it like this happens people get accused of crap um you start suspecting your neighbor or even if you don't like your neighbor and you're like man that guy plays his tv too loud <laughs> i think it was him i think it, it was, was him, him. <laughs> yeah exactly um the police cleared all the freaking uh leads and the alibis were checked out on all the former sex offenders everything and the the case went cold um, Jennifer grew up and through how long? Uh, it went cold for eighteen years. Oh no way! Yep, yep, ice cold. That is a long time. Yep, absolutely. That's horrible. <clears throat> so Jennifer uh, would grow up and through therapy, she became a very strong young woman. She would eventually attend college and um, you know get her degree. Now at this time. An FBI agent by the name of Tim Crony visited Jennifer, and yeah. she, and she was apprehensive because over the eighteen years there were, it was passed on from officer to officer, detective to detective, agent to agent. Nothing ever got solved. She was always promised that things would get solved and they'd oh. find the the guy. Nothing ever happened. Um, Are you serious? <clears throat> yep. So this guy though, Tim Crony said, "Hey." I'm going to I'm going to beat this. And at first she was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard this song and dance before." But she said something was different about how he conducted himself. And he said, "I'm going to get to the bottom of this. This guy's going away. I promise you." And uh so she got a little confident and she began to work with them again. And uh but uh the investigations initially that Tim started went about the same way with the exception of the fact that the DNA had never been tested on the clothes that she was wearing that day, her bloody clothes. Mm. So how is that? They're already in the nineties. They're already. This is two thousand eight. Wow. So mm. so Tim said, you know what? That's you know because they felt that the medical examiner felt that there was no blood or nothing from the man on her, but the, he was wrong. They thought all that blood was soaked in well, by her. Yeah. So they took her clothes just for the hell of it, and they sent it to the FBI Quantico in in New York. And decided, hey, let's let our best lab technicians take a look at this. Maybe they could find some foreign DNA on it, since she was sexually abused as well. And lo and behold, 
they came out with some DNA results in 2009. Wow. Yes. And it came back to one Dennis Earl Bradford. He was he was in the system because of a kidnapping in Arkansas in 1999. Uh, he had kidnapped a 21-year-old woman from a bar after she uh, blew down blew away his advances on her. He took her outside the um, uh, bar, took her to a, a dirt road, sexually abused her, and then uh, slit her throat. But she survived. Sounds familiar. Sounds familiar, right? So guy, mm-hmm. the guy can't cut a throat apparently, because apparently, yeah, because that's two for two that they knew, and and the, right then and there the agents like this is our guy. I mean he he's got to be our guy. And um, so, how many years do you think he got for that? Because he was arrested for that uh, in nineteen ninety. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say five, but he got out on good behavior. <laughs> Actually, Gabby Gabby almost nailed it. He, uh, he was sentenced to 15 years, and 15 years is a little bit for almost That's killing still a somebody. Bit. But she was close. She said three. He only served four. <laughs> what? Yeah. He he got out in two th- uh, in 2003. I think people like that shouldn't be let out. Whether the person survived, it doesn't matter. They're gonna do it to someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's well, not and and the the prosecution should have realized that's not a one off. This the guy just doesn't slit a chick's throat randomly. You know what I mean? And it takes uh-huh. her to a field. He had a plan. So, but that's Arkansas for you. They probably were just like, well, that dang old guy we got him. You know, he put him away for four years. <laughs> that was. Like, that's not like Boomhound. Yeah, <laughs> that's how they talked. A lot of them. Yeah. Sorry to our Arkansas listeners. Sorry. Apologize. It's all good. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, so, um, the other thing was they took the artist sketch of Dennis, like I said before, and they put it to a picture of a picture uh, or the sketch to a picture of Dennis, how he looked with his driver's license when he lived in Texas, and it was mm. and it looked like a dead ringer. They're like, how did we not? How did nobody identify this guy if he was living in Dickinson? for a couple years before he moved to uh, Arkansas. So nobody identified the guy. He was never a suspect, and he would leave Dickinson in 1992, so he was off the radar completely in Arkansas. Um, wow. Yeah. So when police were able to uh, nail the DNA, they went to go track him down. He was living in Arkansas in a trailer park. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Um, yeah. Um, and, and they matched the pictures again. Um, they talked to him and said, hey, um, <clears throat> we had this uh, rape of an eight, eight-year-old and an attempted murder and kidnapping in Dickinson. And we know you were around that time. So they started to play the game with him. They showed him one picture after another, started to show him the crime scene, the house that she was taken from. Uh, her picture w- after the surgeries, they were trying to tell him, look what you did to her, blah, blah, blah. And he was denying everything, just denying everything. And um, Of course he was. Yeah. Until the DNA came in with the results. So the FBI agent came in with the DNA. And then um, he begins to change his, his story a little bit. Uh-oh. He begins to say in his own words, 
not a day goes by where I don't think about that child. I was out of my mind, high, sick, and deranged. I left her in that field. I didn't, I, and I didn't realize what I did till it was over. And I don't know why, but I saw a light on in that, that room that night from across the street and knew it was a little girl's room as I peeked in the window. I then forced my way in, into her uh, room, took her out of her bed. She didn't wake up until I left the property. I told the girl I was a police officer and that I would take her, uh, and, and I, and I t- would take her to safety. But I took her to a field. I raped her and I thought I killed her. I went home and I, and I left the scene, or I, I threw away all my clothes into a uh, trash can, burned them, and I went to my father's house, took out his gun, and put it to my temple. But I couldn't pull the trigger. I, wow! I tried to block it out and move on with my life. But I have struggled with this trauma since ever since that day in 1990. You struggled. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So he's playing the victim role. Um. So yeah, he fell high. He don't know what he did, but he remembers every detail. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. See, even Gabby went went through the BS. She's like, yeah, I, I don't buy it. Castration time. There it is. Castration. <laughs> yes. Cut his ball. Yes. Oh, sorry. That is man's. <laughs> and and speaking of that, uh, real real quick on a side note, because that's Gabby's, you know, form of torture. If you don't want to use the knife, do you know that Canada has a um, what is it a a shot, a liquefied way to make your basically testosterone go away? It's like a li- uh, a liquid castration. What? It'll turn your hormones off and it'll make your balls pretty much ineffective. Get out. Yeah, that, that's what they're what they just started doing to sex offenders. Just, just us liquefy pretty much like just make, I mean, they'll never be able to get it up. Even if they use a pill, I mean, the testosterone's not there. Their balls aren't working. Wow. I mean, that seems fair. Seems fair to me. Yeah. They're going to get angrier and take it out more and more on women. Even if they can't rape them, they'll still kill them. That's true. That's true. They need to suffer slowly until they're dead. Non-existent. Hang on by the toe. 100% no risk. This is why Gabby would would thrive in the medieval times. She would thrive. <laughs> She'd be the executioner of all executioners. <laughs> yep. I'd be like, off with his head, but first, in pieces. <laughs> and then the, yeah, and then the king would be like, which one? And then, you know, <laughs> just say it. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, man. Guys, we're not laughing at this story, okay? But we're laughing at the terrible things that these type of people deserve. Absolutely. Gabby hits that one yeah. on the head. Right? Yeah, he's a monster on this one. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying the whole story. And no, nor did Tim, the uh, FBI agent. He interrupted um, Mr. Uh, Dennis as he was going on in his little speech there. And he said the agent. Uh, the agent then said... If it was so much trauma to you all these years, why did you wait for us to track you down? Why not confess at any time, at any point in 18 years? To that, he said, I wanted to, which the agent jumped in uh, up and said, you're a spineless piece of sh and who moved on and reoffended several times. Don't give me that BS. And who knows how much more you have done that we don't even know about and that you're too scared to admit. So at, yeah. the, so at this, Dennis just shut down 
the agent said, get this scumbag out of my face. And they sent him to jail. <laughs> so in early 2010, Dennis was formally charged of the kidnap, uh, rape, and attempted murder of Jennifer. Um, at the press conference. Ooh, that have been Kenda on him? Yeah. Kenda would have went off. Oh, yeah. That was Joe Kenda. Woo. Yep. And that guy didn't play around. Um, so in 2010, Dennis was formally charged, like I said, and the press conference, Jennifer made it very clear that she did not want to be labeled a victim, that she was a survivor. And she showed how strong she was with her new family and that she was a college graduate. And she was looking forward to the time that in the, um, what do you call it? Uh, at her trial that she could look him uh, dead in the face and tell, tell him that he never broke her and that she's strong and that he deserves to get whatever he gets. So she's married now or? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. She, she moved on quite, quite, uh, spectacularly given all that she went through. Okay. So the date was actually set for, um, for August 10th, 2010, which was a full 20 year anniversary to the day of when this happened. Wow. Yep. So, um, as that time was quickly approaching and she was getting ready to face him a month prior to the um, the court date, douchebag commits suicide. I was just about to say it. I saw it coming. Yeah, unfortunately, that's uh. Oh, he couldn't do it then, right? But he does it now. Mm-hmm. He couldn't. He couldn't face the reality of everything. Apparently, so. They found him hung. Yeah, they they found him hung, and um, she had told the agent, and the agent had told the um, officers at the correctional facility to keep him on suicide watch, and they did not, and that was the result. They had a feeling he was going to try to pull something, and he did. Um, her chance to face the monster was gone. But this would not deter her from uh, visiting his gravesite on that very day of August 10, where she had read uh, over his gravesite, uh, or over his grave. She stood over his grave, and she read her victim impact statement, which she had, it took her two years to process and, and to make. And she would yeah. she would give her thoughts to him, even though he's dead. But she was able to at least say her piece and move on. And that was the story of Jennifer Schuitz. What a strong woman. Absolutely. A strong little girl to a strong woman. You know what? Definitely he would have got death penalty. No yeah. no question. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's what he was scared of too. I think these these cowards really want to just, you know, if they if they're gonna if they're gonna if they're facing capital punishment, they rather take themselves out and not give the pleasure to the family or the um the state mm-hmm. and um kudos to uh one side note kudos to jennifer too as she also to this day works she wrote a book and she also works with the uh, rape victims to this day in the community so very good very good is her well her, uh, is her mom still alive that i couldn't find i couldn't find any information on that but i know her mom was a big supporter of her i don't know that was in 2018 so mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking she still is alive because I probably would have said something about her passing. So got I'm it, assuming, got yeah. it. 
her poor mom probably I know her, her, her yeah her mom probably still lived with that guilt imagine that man you know I mean it wasn't her fault or anything I'm she just saying home. as a mother if that happened to my kid I know I could never live with myself yeah I mean that's what that's why I said in the story it's like famous last words it could have been the last words she ever told her daughter and then you know, luckily she she was able to recoup her the next day, but at what cost? And then, yeah, I, I totally get your guys' points. I mean, I, I would be blood guilty myself, even though it's not my fault. It's just I would feel that way. I would. Yeah, you can't help it. Like your kids, somebody harming your kid and knowing you almost lost them and you were asleep. Like I don't know. Her mama was strong too, because I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. Yep. Then there was. I guarantee you. Okay. No, no, not to cut you off, but I guarantee you, she didn't have no problem with her sleeping in the bedroom after that. I wouldn't be surprised if they went, if they just blocked that room off completely and just slept in the one room together. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I, I think that probably made them stronger. Yeah, I mean, that's that bond. What's the title of her book? Uh, I gotta look that up. I'll put that in the comments, or I'll message you on that one. But uh, she did write a book, okay. and uh, I'll send that to you. Um, I definitely want to read does it. Does she have any kids now? Uh, I believe she has a little one now. Yes. Yes. Okay. Wow. Wow. So that, I, I wanted to play the audio at first because there was audio of them interviewing the mom on that morning when they had no idea where she was, but it's like too heartbreaking to to listen to. Um, it's actually from a news report, and they were they were trying to put the word out there in the greater Texas area of the missing child. And uh, boy, you could feel the pain in her voice. You know, she's like, I'm, she's like, she's all I have in life, and blah blah. And I was like, ooh, you know, I couldn't play that. Yeah, yeah no, I got chills from it. You would have made me fall like a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if if people want to listen to it, do you know where you can direct them to? YouTube, it's there. Okay. Yeah, they have pretty much all the interviews and everything that happened, um, and on the initial stuff, they even have a, a conversation with the uh, reporter, or not the reporter, the um, agent, and everything that helped lead to to uh, the wow. case being solved. Wow, man, yeah. strong, very strong little girl, man, very strong. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, that was horrible. That that just made me picture Adelie, and it's like yeah, because Adelie's eight years old. And just to imagine someone, a grown man, hurting someone that small, you know, it just it, yeah, yeah, I don't know. And the, and 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 the, to think what she was going through in the freaking middle of nowhere, you can't scream, you can't yell, you can't do anything. You're losing consciousness. The blood is flowing out. You're like, and you're getting eaten. She practically getting eaten alive. Them, them fire ants don't play. Yeah, yeah. And, she, she was just lucky. I think one of the police officers said she was lucky she wasn't like close to the ant hill. But but yeah. she, but she they did have to pick several ants off of her. I mean, they were trying to go for the eyes. They were trying. They were trying. They actually had some that were in her neck already, trying to get to the blood and everything. So I mean. It was it was pretty graphic, so I mean, like I said, that that one police officer lost it. You know, he pictured his own kids, and uh, he he could not handle it. Look at here, man. If I was one of them police officers, or Utah, if you were one of them police officers, I'm quite sure 
you would have him set up somehow, some way before, you know, he would have took himself out, you know, take him into a, a little room, you know, hem him up a little bit, as we say, yeah. give him a little punch here and there. Beat, oh, man, you would have to beat him up. Yeah. No. Oh, come on. No. You wouldn't? No, that ain't enough. No. No, no, no. I know that's not enough. But in the meantime, this if is your I justice. If I knew who it is, I would have it my way. Like, like I'd kidnap him like he kidnapped people. I would do terrible, um, terrible things to him. Um, drop him in a field so they could find him. And then he could go to prison and face all of that. But first, <laughs> payback. Yeah, but you got to let the justice system still kind of run its course. You know, yeah, he's already. In jail. I'm not going to kill him. Okay. But I'm gonna leave him for them. Okay. See, Matt, Matt's going the 1950s style, where they would just take him in a room, well, dimly hey. light it, and start punching hey. the crap out of hey. him. <laughs> you, know? you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that Gabby's just full on. Like, Gabby's like full on. Like I don't know if he's gonna make the the court date, but we're gonna do some things to him. <laughs> we gotta we gotta move him to a different jailhouse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are they looking for you? Is he, is he still? No, we still driving. <laughs> yeah, either that or instead of uh, putting "kick me" on the back of his uh, jail uniform, you put uh, "child mo- child molester" and you 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 push him into General Pop. And you see what happens? Oh yeah, see what happens, man. It'll be a wrap. Yeah. He'll be a donor. A donor. <laughs> Just straight a hole in the ground. Just donut, man. Yep. Either that or they'll go yeah. for his donut. One of the two. Man, you but- know what I found very interesting. Hmm. She's eight years old. Normally, children, when they're scared, they'll tend to shut their eyes. They're terrified. They're mm-hmm. screaming. Mm-hmm. Her, she was completely alert to the point where she could remember every detail of how this man looked. Mm-hmm. Like if she knew, I need to remember, I need to remember. I like see what common eight-year-old would? I mean, unless they're extremely advanced like like she was. Or, yeah, I agree. Something utterly... I don't know. I mean, the fear in a child is unbelievable. So Eight years old, they man. could react anyway. But I think mostly it would be like closing your eyes because you're so frightened. Exactly. But Eight I will tell old. tell you with what you just said, Gabby. Um, when I post this, I'll send you the picture. I'm telling you, you're gonna be like, oh my god! Like that's gonna further, uh, further make your your comments even more true. You you can't believe how dead on this little girl was. With her memory. Wow. wow. Shout out to that little girl. Well, she's not a little girl anymore, but in that yeah. time, shout mm-hmm. out to uh, eight year old within Jennifer, right? Jennifer, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's truly amazing. She's now a 30 she, year old. She's now in her 30s, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's in her 30s. So she had the will to live, and thankfully, she was able to survive. And for that freaking coward, Oh well, he's where he deserved. Yep, took the easy way out. He did, but he was going to be taken. There's no way he would. Yeah, they would in Texas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He'd have been done. That's he'd have been done for. Yep. So, well, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you enjoyed it. Unfortunately, a very uh, touchy subject, but hey, this is uh, the true crime podcast so we're going to touch on subjects like that uh, if you guys like what you heard or you want to hear some of our previous reporting uh, you can follow us on Facebook or on Instagram type in the grinding true crime podcast or you can listen to us on your 
podcast streams such as iTunes, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Pandora, Spotify, all those good things. We everywhere. And we are trending over the country. So thank you everyone who is supporting us from other countries such as Germany, Jamaica, Australia, all other places. Thank you so much for listening to us. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate the messages that you send us. Thank you so much and encourage us to keep going. So with all that being said, thank you, Todd, for breaking down that story. Thank you very much. And this has been another episode with the Grinding True Crime family. This is your, this is Maddie Matt, along with our narrator for today. Todd Fox. And the other host of the show. Gabby. And we are signing off. Toodles. Peace.